Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at a clip from The Pretty One. I don't see the point in going with you. My loserness is just too painfully obvious when I'm with you. Listen, we have the same DNA, Laurel. And despite the story you have made up about me, I don't have everything figured out. Yeah, right. You'll see. But what, what would I do? Paint. <laughs> Dad's always fixing my work. I can't. You're coming home with me, and you're going to do your own painting, and that is that. But you cannot come home with me with all of this coming out of your head. My hair? Yeah. Makeover. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Nigel Smith from IndieWire, and tonight's guests, Zoe Kazan, Steven Berger, Robin Shore, and Janae Lamarck. Welcome, everyone. Hey, dudes. Hey. So many of you came out from Los Angeles for, for tonight's premiere, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is anybody in the audience going to be seeing the film tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Awesome. So why don't we first have you, the director, give us a little rundown, uh, since you actually wrote the screenplay, of what the film's about, since we didn't have a trailer to share with uh, everyone here. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, we just uh, finished post, like, this last Sunday, so apologies for not having the trailer, but basically it's a, it's a story, it's a sort of a universal story about a wallflower, her name is Laurel, who... Um, uh, has an identical twin sister, uh, Audrey, who's more of like the life of the party and the titular pretty one. And um, through a series of tragic events, Laurel gets the opportunity to take over her sister's identity. And through the process of uh, pretending to be her sister, she sort of learns more about, about herself, who she is, who she wants to be, and she falls in love with a character named Basil, who's played by Jake Johnson in the movie, and you'll see a clip later with uh, Jake and Zoe. Zoe plays both uh, parts, both sisters, identical twins, um, so it was, a, it was a very big, challenging, juicy role for her, and um, so yeah, it's, it's a movie about identity, and um, I think, you know, it's a very uh, uplifting, tale of someone coming out of their shell for the first time and um, seizing life. People listening to this probably, you know, draw parallels to like films like The Parent Trap, but watching it, you know, it's a really original story. Can you talk a bit about the inspiration behind it and, you know, what made you dream, uh, dream up this plot? Uh, sure. There's two kind of things that happened. Um, one is I, uh, I lost someone very close to me in my early 20s. Um, he had been my best friend we had dated, and um, he's the reason why I started writing. And when he died, when he was like on his deathbed, he basically was like, I really believe in you, and you know, I really think you're you know, a great artist. And I, and I felt like this responsibility to go out and make something meaningful out of my life because not everyone has the opportunity to do that. Um, sometimes life gets cut short and you don't know what's gonna happen. And then there's also, um, I read, I came across this book that was like firsthand accounts of um, twins who had lost their twin. And I, I just 
immediately started crying because these stories were so moving and emotional. And I was like, oh, a movie's never been made about this subject. And I was like, I want to do something that's like, that's, that's like this, except for it has to be a comedy because <laughs> I don't really, that's just my sensibility. And I just love dark comedies. Um, I love movies like Lars and the Real Girl and Little Miss Sunshine, things like that, that, that kind of like make you laugh and make you cry and kind of the whole gamut of, 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 you know, you know, the movie going experience. So, so that's sort of, you know, two things kind of came together. So could you talk about a bit the uh, about the uh, the comedy aspect of the film because you know it is to my mind a kind of heartwarming story in the end but you know it deals with huge tragedy how did you all kind of manage to to balance that so delicately and and, and pull it off like you do Well I think it comes down to there being a kind of groundedness to the movie and that comes through I think through casting and and through communicating uh in terms of what what each sort of what we're trying to accomplish and you know Zoe's a very grounded and very naturally funny person so and and same goes for Jake and and Ron Livingston who's also in the movie so I think it's a lot had to do with with getting on the same page had to do with picking the right actors I think yeah so how did Zoe come on the project I auditioned the old-fashioned way really <laughs> yep casting couch all the way <laughs> Um, I'm kidding. Oh. I did audition. <laughs> <laughs> there was no casting couch. There were like chairs. We, we were sitting on a couch. <laughs> oh yeah, you were. Yes, yeah. I wasn't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, Janae had been um, auditioning with her producers, uh, Robin and Steven. I'm going to say that, um, you know, a lot of actresses were very attracted to this script. It was a really special script. And because the role has this, you know, very challenging but exciting opportunity to play two parts, we got a lot of interest in the role, and it was a long process. We met and read a lot, lot, lot of really amazing actors, and it was a challenging decision, really. And then the minute we had Zoe come in, it was an obvious decision, and oh, we were yeah. so grateful because it made it easy. We knew oh, she yeah. was the it's, one. It's, I it was, was like tortured, but oh, sorry, go ahead, no, Steve. It was, just, it was one of those moments that you always hear about when... Um, Somebody comes in and reads for you, and you just feel like the character's in front of you. And we, we immediately had that when Zoe read. Oh, yeah. And you know, she just really understood um, the beauty and the nuance between these two sisters and just nailed it right away. And it was, it became, she kind of chose us, really. It was, it was beautiful. Yes, guys. Steven and I, and I like looked at each other. We just made eye contact after yeah. she read, and it was just like, oh, well, there, that was easy. We, there didn't, she have is. To, we didn't even have to say anything. Yeah. We just yeah. knew. Yeah. And you know, That's regarding so nice. that, too, it was, it was such a, it's a really challenging thing to do. I don't even think, maybe you, Jeanette, maybe you fully appreciated that, but before production, we knew one of the hardest things would be, you know, the twin part of this movie. But I didn't ever really fully appreciate how challenging that was going to be for the actor, because to keep it all in your head, to, to fully embody these two completely different characters and do it on a dime, you know, we were moving fast, it's a low-budget film, and I, I honestly, we all kept saying to each other, I don't know how we would have ever done it without you, Zoe, because she, she was excellent every take and she knew who she was, you know, and, and it, it was demanding. It was really a tall order. Well, that's really nice. Um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to, on that, I know I'm going to jump the gun here. I, I just wanted to talk for a second because I think it's like really interesting and we're, we're in the Apple store right now, so technology. Um, but 
the process of making a film where part of the film you have one actor playing two people, it's it's really interesting. And I just can we talk about that for a second? Yeah, like, yeah. At a I was going to get onto that. Level, what, Go nuts. I, I I found it so difficult technically and made me a better actor to have to be so precise te technically. But um, I, I can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah. About what it entails. Well, how did you pull it off? Who did you have stand in, you know, for? Yeah, we we auditioned for body doubles. We had really? to have someone that was this her same height, same size, same coloring, and someone that hopefully could act. You know, because even though you know you want to have someone that you can connect with across that line that we then created after you know in post production. Um, go ahead. So you shoot. You shoot like a, a stable master shot of the scene that's locked off. Clean and, plate, it's called. Yeah. And it can't be moved because it has to look the same on both sides. And if you have, like, imagine a transparency over a picture. If you have something moving across camera, you can't have it moving in both pictures. You can only have it moving in one picture. Otherwise, it'll get mu muddy because it's basically two halves of one picture, right? So uh, we would have to shoot that locked off master twice. Once with me in one sister's outfit and wig and once with me in the other sister's outfit and hair and makeup and then we would shoot close-ups like over the body double shoulder onto me with her in the wig and then flip and go the other way with her in the other outfit and then me in the and the other right. and, and then, this, this was all practical on location we didn't go with green screen we it was kind of a very um actually surprisingly traditional approach to to doubling i mean just like the original Parent Trap. Is it the same way that Haley Mills did it? <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak. Well, yeah, but essentially it ends up kind of the same. Um, yeah, so as you can imagine, it took about three times as long to shoot a scene as, as it would traditionally take to shoot the same scene, um, which was challenging. And, and Zoe, um, when she was speaking to the technical things that she had to be doing, it's like she had to be thinking about eyeline, and then she had to match her performance, do this math in her head where she was matching her performance, you know, what she had done two hours prior to, and then match sort of match it to the that to was what actually, she was doing. That was actually the easier half. The hardest part was starting the scene on one, not knowing what you would do, and like you sort of had to pre-plan what you'd do in the other characters so that you could yeah. react appropriately before you had shot that half. Right. It, it, if you think about it too much, it kind of yeah. Blows it's like it. looking into a mirror, looking into a mirror, looking into a mirror. And I have to say really quickly that we did have an incredible visual effects team. Yes. Oh, I, I do man. want to give a shout out yeah. to Ryan Urban and his team because they were incredible and and were on set making sure that Zo that Zoe knew exactly what um, she needed to do. Yeah. Millions of little robots. Yeah, what's his company's name? Millions of little robots. Oh, millions of tiny robots. Millions of, of tiny vendors, robots. Yeah, it's yeah. a great name though, isn't it? Well, lucky for you all, the two, you know, twins don't spend that much time together. Like, the first quarter of the movie or so, right? Yeah, and then she dies. Was and then she was passes enough. away. <laughs> it was enough. Would you have taken on the project had, you know, it been I as tale no of two twins? I had no idea how hard twins? it was going to be. I thought about the acting challenge of it. I didn't understand the technical challenge of it. Yeah. It was like, I, I, I got a C in ninth grade geometry. So <laughs> having to use those skills again was difficult for me. Yeah. Well, the challenge that you had to, you know, take on in this movie in many ways kind of reminded me of your amazing performance in uh, Ruby Sparks, because in that film you're taking on multiple personalities, you know, but not at your at your choice. Um, can you talk a bit about whether you saw any similarities between the two projects and whether that played a factor into you wanting to to take this on? Because she actually wrote um, Ruby Sparks, which came out last summer. No, I don't think. 
I don't think I was thinking about that. I mean, um, they feel like complete, like not actually in some ways tonally they're similar in that they're both sort of like fairy tales and in that they're both kind of tragicomic. Um, but at a character level, these, these women feel very different to me as people. But I do think there's a connection in terms of dealing with the subject of identity, mm-hmm. female identity. Yeah. 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 So um, why don't we talk about... The, let's show a scene from the film. We have uh, one more scene to show. Three fives. You want to draw? Uh, yeah. Can you score? I got three ones. But that's just because of that lucky draw I was telling you about. And how about 10, 11, 12, 13? Great. Hey, what are you doing? Just leave Basil alone. He doesn't want to move out. I can handle this. If you want me to move out, you got to pay me a move out fee. It's the way it works. The law's on the tenant side. Oh, you're my tenant. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I I got in an accident. Um, I uh, I have post traumatic amnesia. Whoa! I've never met a real life amnesiac. Easy. Cool. Dinner. Oh, that's my mom. Yep. Can I take this one? Yeah. You're gonna have it back in two weeks. I guess. All right. Perfect. Thanks, Good. bud. Good plan. You too. Uh, bye. Bye. Um, why did I want to kick you out? Um, so that your sister could move in here. Oh. That was nice of me. It was, except for the part when you called me a creepy man-child and tried to kick me out. That was less nice. Well, um, so my sister will not be moving in because of extenuating circumstances, so you don't have to leave. No, really? Oh, thank you, Audrey. Books. Yes, these are books. <laughs> yeah, I sell these books online and you know I lend them to people in the neighborhood, mostly kids. Yeah, you want to borrow one? Help yourself. I broke my arm once, so I can relate to that. Do you want to sign my cast? Whatever. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I mean you don't have to sign it. No, 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 please. I, I would like to. I was thinking something like, um, I don't know, I hate you, love Basil. How about, I hate you, hate Basil? That's better. You improved. There you go. So now uh, that clip clearly makes it evident that you nailed down an amazing cast for this film. Can you talk a bit about the fact that this was actually a blacklist script um, in what, 2011? Uh, Yeah, 2011, yeah. And how did that all come about? Did you have to campaign hard to get it on there or did producers like just immediately, um, you know, gravitate towards this this, uh, original concept? Um, It's a testament to my manager and agent who um, worked really hard for me to get me meetings at uh, different companies and then just you kind of, I guess it's word of mouth and also It was developing. a really special script and everyone loved it so word got around. 
Dude, do thanks. people campaign to get on the blacklist? I don't know. Well, we were talking about it really. in the green room. It's about. more. It's more just like you have meetings and you and like if they they those people <laughs> vote and then that happens. But I yeah. don't know if you guys are familiar really with what campaign. we're talking about. Are you yeah, familiar let's with explain the exactly what the blacklist is. I think we should. There's a have the producers talk. There's about sort of this. a thing that grew in Hollywood. It's actually done by a one one guy who's an executive, but. Um, he would pull all his friends, all the other executives and people in in the film business, mostly agents and executives, I guess, but uh, in a kind of a homegrown kind of way about what their favorite unproduced screenplays were. And that has grown into a thing where now it's almost like you want to pay to be on the blacklist. But people pay a lot of That's attention so to scripts. That's crazy to me. That is just crazy. Well, I, I, I think well, people started, do campaign, but it's not It started so as an organic thing and has grown into kind of a, uh, almost a, a real stamp of pedigree for unproduced screenplays in the film business. And so every year there's a list that comes out and everyone eagerly anticipates that and quickly snaps up a lot of the scripts that are not you know, I thought it was just like the best screenplays. I feel like you're telling me there's no Santa Claus. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not the best. It's it's technically the most liked. The most liked. Yeah, not okay. the best. It's not like an award, but <laughs> it is good. It, we, it's it's pretty great. Yeah. But we yeah, were yeah. we were well underway on working on making this into a movie before that was published. Genet's year, we'll call it Genet's year of the blacklist, and uh, and and it was included. Wonderful. Um, so we're going to open it up to the audience, and if anybody has a question, please just raise your hand, and someone's going to come around with a mic. Zoe, I think you're brilliant, and it was really exciting to see you on Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, do you plan on writing any more movies? Um, first of all, I have to thank these guys for letting me go on Jimmy Kimmel, because I was shooting this movie when that happened, um, and they let me out early to go do that, which was very nice. Um, I am writing more. Uh, you know, for me, it's always a balancing act. Last year, I shot four movies, including this one, and so I didn't have any time to write, um, which is hard on me because I, it's a big part of my life. Um, so when I wrapped the last movie that I did last year, I decided to take a couple months to concentrate on my writing. Um, I just finished doing a play here, but um, besides that, I've just been working on my writing. Yeah. Plan on doing any television? Writing? Writing or performing? Um, you know, I got to do half a season of Bored to Death a couple years ago. Never saw which it, Which was sorry. really, um, no, don't worry about it. Um, uh, more people should have seen that show, <laughs> otherwise it would still be on the air. Um, but, uh, you know, I really enjoyed doing that, and I, and I think, you know, with the right combination of people, of course, I, there's a lot of exciting work going on on TV. So I was wondering if you had to do a lot of research for your character, you know, in terms of looking into a lot of stories about, you know, twins who are, I'm a twin myself, by the way, and uh, a lot of twins who had Identical lost... Identical or uh, fraternal? Fraternal. Um, you know, it's just, uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I felt like I had an emotional end to the story. Uh, Janae had written in a very um, emotionally powerful script, and I, through my own personal experiences with loss and with personal experiences of um, being very close to my sister, um, I felt like I connected immediately with the script, but you really want to do justice to the um, particular experience that you're portraying. So uh, Janae had found these um, videos by a video artist. Yeah, and actually my friend Helen, who's in the audience, sent them to me. She's, Hi, she's Helen. right there. Hi, Helen. <laughs> you helped me so much. She's hiding. Um, <laughs> I, well, Helen sent Janae some videos and... 
Janae sent them to me of this um, artist, Candace Brights, who is a video artist. And she made these videos where she interviewed um, identical twins in the same location, wearing the same clothes, um, and interviewed them, asking them the same questions. And she sort of spliced them, edited them next to each other so that you'd be looking at it and see both responses. And they're very powerful, and they're long. They're like an hour long each, most of them. And uh, so I watched all of those that she had up on her site. And that was very useful, just you know, seeing the way two people who look exactly the same genetically can look so different in terms of the way that they can, I mean, and dressed identically can still look so different in terms of the way that they carry themselves. Um, and, and also what it might be like to have someone who was your mirror image and how that might make you feel. Um, and then Janae gave me a bunch of books that were incredibly helpful on loss and twin loss in particular. And um, some a psychology books about you know what happens when you when you're confronted with your mirror image from birth and and you don't you never go through the mirror stage in like the Kenyan philosophy there's an idea that like there's a, a mirror stage in which you as an infant see yourself in the mirror and realize that you're an identity separate from other people and uh, then the rest of the world becomes real to you uh, and they think well it's one theorist thinks that that identical twins don't go through that process so all that was really useful and helpful and then it was just all about going through the script with Janae and making every moment feel particular and real and um, particular to my body which is a weird thing to do um, does that answer your question who do you identify with more out of the, the two twins good question Janae who do you identify with more I identify probably more with Laurel, but I there I feel like the we we talked a lot about this yesterday how the sisters are sort of two sides of one coin in the sense that I think it's a lot of that you know Laurel's the side that's a little afraid and shut in and and afraid to take a chance um but she's also very creative secretly and has a lot of special qualities that nobody can quite see because she's not brave enough to show them. Um, there's that scared person, insecure. And then there's, you know, the sort of life of the party, the person that goes out and takes chances and is brave. And so I feel like I've got both of those things inside. I feel like we all do. Um, but, uh, you know, I definitely don't ever feel like the pretty one in the way that Audrey does, even though sometimes I feel good about how yeah yeah I don't know even that Audrey ever feels like the pretty one I feel like she's yeah. we talked about this that you know I feel like she's done a, a really excellent job of burying Laurel inside of herself that she sort of had to kill that side of herself in order to get out of this small town and out of this like oppressive family structure and um I don't know there's like I think that I think that there have been times in my life where I felt more or less like either side of these people. I was definitely like, they both felt very close to me. And I felt, I felt really sad when, when Audrey died. <laughs> um, partially because I felt like um, she was like fun, you know? And, and I, I never get to play the bad girl, so that was sort of fun for me. <laughs> Did you shoot all those sequences before you uh, transplanted? to, um, it takes place in L.A., right? Yeah, to L.A. 
We yeah. were in LA the whole time. The whole but time. we but shot like the, the twin yeah. stuff the at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, we did. We, we shot we, all the twin stuff at the okay, beginning. We actually shot almost completely in sequence, which, wow. is, which is very rare for a film. And um, I imagine, Zoe, that it maybe was helpful for you in terms you of the You know what? It didn't we feel like we shot in sequence we because... We didn't, because we shot one and three the same week. Because, yeah, because we because of shooting the third act at the right, same time right. as shooting the... That. More in sequence than most films at any rate, yeah. It didn't feel like that, but you know what? I, it never. I mean, I. Yeah. But you never had to embody all, your yeah. your dead sibling, you know, midway through the shoot. Yeah. No, no, no. Once, yeah, once. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's great. That's we, we, great. Actually, the, the visual effects sequences were, like, like you said, the most time consuming, and sadly, I suppose we had this kind of joke on set that we were kind of glad we killed her off early <laughs> so that the, the hair and makeup changes and everything oh, were behind us and the, the second yeah. half of the shoot was completely breezy comparatively oh, yeah. Yeah. there were two things on this shoot that were the bane of my existence and one was that wig the wig and, and the, the other the was that we cast. don't make movies with wigs if there are filmmakers in the audience if you can avoid it avoid wigs <laughs> and casts and casts and cast. you cast heard it here killed me that wig is so dowdy it was amazing yeah yeah. It, it, in the script that it was, was my like real hair. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was real hair it was not my real hair <laughs> but the, in the script the her hair is like down to her knees yeah we couldn't get real it's hair that long there. it's it's pretty it's long like to my waist yeah, yeah they're very long. expensive they take forever to put on they're a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> and they're horrible for the actor. I mean, the, the, the poor actor has to have their head poked at. That like, cast for an was hour. worse. The <laughs> cast was worse. Less expensive, but worse. Thank you. This is for the director. Um, when you have a challenging scene and you're not getting it, like the actor isn't nailing it, what kind of methods do you use to make sure you get that scene how you want it? That's a really good question. Well... Definitely when that happens, what you want to do is take a deep breath and take a step back because, you know, if, you're, if it's not sort of getting there, um, chances are there's some sort of lingering anxiety or something happening with you, the actors or on set or what's going on around you. So that's the first thing is to maybe take, I feel like sometimes... Um, that didn't happen a lot on this movie, by the way, but, you know, there were times when I, I would just, you know, take an actor aside and, um, and just figure out what was going on with them and, and just sort of um, regroup on what that moment was trying to do and where the scene was going. And um, I think more than anything, the most important thing to do was to cre try to create an atmosphere that felt a little cal more calm, and then it would just emerge out of, out of that. I don't know. Would, do you remember an instance where that happened? I remember having one day where I was really frustrated, but I think it had to do with um, not having enough time on a scene. I don't remember. I, don't rem I just don't remember. Yeah. It's too long ago. <laughs> but, but I will say that Janae in particular was really incredible about prioritizing uh, for the scenes and knowing which were really the meatiest and, and needing to spend the most time uh, with her actors and those which we could kind of just pick up really quick um, in between other setups. Um, and she ran a very calm set. And I think that was really a, a, big, a big thing for most filmmakers is it tends to get very frantic. You have 30 or 40 people running around all with their own MO and Janae just had this, she created a wonderful energy all around the set. Also, Janae was an actress, and so I felt like she knew a lot about, I mean, even from our first audition, I felt like she gave great notes and was very attuned to what was going on. So 
I, I think that that helped you on set. Yeah, definitely. And I know what it feels like to be on the other side. So, um, yeah, I think that that was helpful as well. So taking acting classes, it's good for directors. Uh, my question is to uh, Zoe Carson. Uh, you have a very uh, natural acting skills and very sense, good sense of camera. Are you ready in future for any Bollywood exposures? What? Are you ready for the Bollywood films? Bollywood. Hollywood. Bollywood. That is not what I thought you said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought you said body exposure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, been there, done that. Uh, I, you know what? I would be completely honest with you. I don't know a lot about Bollywood film. I've seen some musical numbers while sitting in Indian restaurants on TV. <laughs> but... <laughs> That is the extent of my experience with it. There's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm up for anything. I'm game. Actually, our DP, Polly Morgan, is in India shooting a Bollywood film right now. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's sad she can't be here, but I'm happy she's, she's working. So my question, I guess, would be, did you have someone talk to you and say the line so you can respond to them? Did, did you find that challenging when you went back and now played the other sister? Well, we had a very capable actress who was working opposite me that Janae and the producers cast, um, who was both my body double in that, like, in, when, in scenes where they shot over her shoulder sometimes to fake for the back of my head, um, and also was there for me as an actor when I was playing half of the scene. Um, it was hard because, you know, no two actors are alike, and even if you have a really talented actor opposite you, um, you wouldn't perform it the same way. And uh, Janae was asking her to do more than read the lines. She was asking her to act the scenes with me so that I would you know, have a good bouncing board. So that, that was hard sometimes because I felt like um, I, would, I would get, um, I mean, at a, like a totally selfish level, like y you get irritated <laughs> watching someone act it differently than, than you would, would act it. Like you fe I, I get very, um, protective of my characters and I, you know it's like it's so dumb but you spend a lot of time with them getting ready and preparing and then you watch somebody else do it in your clothes and your hair and it, it's like a it's a little bit of an uncanny experience um, and then also just like you know watching that person make choices and because of um, because the camera was on her sometimes because we were using her body sometimes having to match her choices it, you know, sometimes because we had to match what we had already gotten on film. That that was hard sometimes for me just because you, you want to be the person making the decisions about what your character is doing. And so I really had to learn to give up a little bit of control, I think, which is, you know, hard for me. Um, <laughs> uh, but it was also, like, really wonderful to have a, a real actor opposite you and not just somebody you know saying lines off camera so you know like all collaborations you get you you're ultimately getting more than you're sacrificing mm -hmm. yeah but I think it, it was challenging and as a director I was when those challenges would come up it wasn't something I had totally anticipated you know having being an issue so I I and then when you know it would when Zoe like you know would come to me and say i can you tell her, you know, not to do that? 
because I don't want to be limited in that way. I was like, oh my God, of course. Yeah, like, sorry. For instance, if like Janae and I are the yeah. two, two versions of me and I'm my stand-in right now, if she raised her hand up and touched her neck in the shot, then I would have to do that when we got to that part of the scene later. It's like things like that. Or if she picked up an object in the room and it was in her hand and it was on camera, I would have to pick up that object. So in those ways, you're like, you're in the scene, but you're also watching the other person being like, no, don't do that. Don't, that. don't be cut up. <laughs> um, which is just terrible. Yeah. And it brings out really the worst parts of me. I'm a big sister. And so I grew up trying to run the family. Yeah. <sighs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Um, so I, I tried to keep I tried to keep like the cookie monster control freak part of me in check and yeah but and, you uh, were right to speak out because you know I here I am paying attention to the scene and like no it just brings yeah. out the worst parts of me it's like parts that I just wish didn't exist yeah uh, well that the movie's kind of about that right yeah yep. <laughs> well on that note thank you everyone for taking part and thank the you film so much tonight at thank you for coming nine thirty nine thirty at the SBA theater thank you so, so much guys. Thank Thank you. Everybody join me in thanking our panel again. And thank you guys for being such a great audience. Yeah, thank you.